Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. It's Resurrection Sunday. Are you happy to be in the house this morning? So we're going to preach this message together. We serve a risen King. It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, He was delivered over to death for our sins. He was raised to life. He's not a martyr. He did not just die for us, but He rose again to give us victory, to forgive our sins. What a beautiful time together. What a beautiful celebration this is. Um, why don't we pray and let's commit this time to God. Holy Spirit. Across this room, we, we just sense uh, that you want to welcome us home. So Lord, for anyone that's been far away for a while, for those that maybe have been in your house but away from you, Lord, we pray that you draw us back to your heart. It says in James that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So we draw near to you this morning. In your mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Um, what a beautiful reading of the Word of God this morning from Moses. He's an incredible man. Uh, I've said this many times, but God has anointed you for something amazing. And we can't wait to just watch and see what he does in your life. But um, we're going to get straight into the Word this morning. Um, and let's just celebrate the resurrection. But, you know, we're, we're, uh, let's go here first. Um, have you... Don't put your hand up because I don't want to, we don't want to do the hand up game, but have you ever had one of these disagreements with someone? No, I'm not going to name any disagreements, don't stress out, but um, if, you, if you've ever had a disagreement with someone, but during the conversation, have you actually ever felt and noticed this moment of saying, I've got them? Like, as in, you know, in the, like... Have you ever just thought in that disagreement, and now I, I can see husband and wife, partners kind of elbowing each other going, and, and you're just in that moment, you're going, I can prove them wrong right now. Like, as in, I've got them, aha. Those moments where you actually want to say, I told you so. Any, anyone? Now you can lift your hand if anyone is like that. Yeah, hands going up everywhere. People are getting saved everywhere. <laughs> How good is that feeling? Like, as in, it is an amazing feeling to um, feel right. Is it not? It, is an, uh, it happens in my household once or twice every two to three years. Okay, once or twice every two to three years, all of a sudden, I'm right, and it's amazing time. So a couple of months ago, about uh, Harley had just turned three years old, and I had a dad instinct mode, okay? I, I thought to myself, um, I feel like I can sense my three-year-old is ready for something, and Alyssa and I had a disagreement, okay? It was a conversation. We went back and forth. I thought Harley was ready for a, a bed. Alyssa thought she still needed to be in the cot. Everyone know? A significant transition, okay? But my gut dad instincts told me she was ready. Like, my daughter, three-year-old, very mature for her age, She's ready, babe. Trust me. Just back me in. And we went back and forth for a while. And finally, she submitted to my authority and said, yes, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. It's good. Oh, I know why you're laughing, but anyway. 
But anyway, we tested out this idea. We took the cider for a crib off. One night passes, and the worst thing that took place, not, not that bad, but just she fell out of her bed, but she slept 12 hours. Like, hey, guess who's right? This guy is right. You all laughed before, but now I'm wrong. So, so then I'm thinking to myself, we're on fire here. Second night, she doesn't even fall out of her bed. She sleeps 12 hours again. I'm going, I'm walking around, and I'm going, welcome home. Like, as in, this is what, I've got a bit of a strut. I had to, you know, put aside the book publishings of how to transition uh, kids from cots to, you know, like everyone. I was walking around telling our friends and family, I said, you know, Alyssa didn't believe in our daughter, but I did. Like, you know, she was wrong, I was right. For about one to two weeks, it was this beautiful moment of being right. And then something happened. Like, I was right. That once in every two to three situation, I was right. And then two to three weeks in, Hurricane Harley came back. And, and I, I, I got to tell you, she was, she went, like, as in, we could, she was uncontrollable, unconsolable. She would run out of her room, and I tried my best, like, I kind of slept next to her, tried to pat her down and things like that, and nothing, because I really wanted to be right, right? And all of a sudden, about two weeks in, I went from being really, really right to really, really, oh, boy. Wrong. I went from really right to really wrong, and now we have to wait another two years for this incident to take place again where I could potentially be right. But the reason why I tell this story is, one, I am still wrong today, as I've ever been. But at times, I think we live in a society that there is always right and wrong. We are always looking for the right and wrong in situations, in ourselves, with people around us. Either you are good or bad, you're in or out, you either think my way or you think the wrong way. Have you ever thought about that? Like as in, you know, it's, it's, it's us against the world, right? Like as in, it, it is my way or the wrong way. But what if I told you this morning that God doesn't see us like that? What if God does not see the right and wrong? But what if I said to you, to him, we're all wrong. We were all wrong and we needed saving. We were all sinners, it says in Romans, and you and I needed a savior. Let's put one thing straight, that God is never wrong. Let's be really clear. Psalm 18, God is perfect in every way. All the Lord's promises prove true. Numbers 23, verse 19, it says, God is not human that he would lie. He is not human that he would change his mind. In the book of Malachi, in the book of Hebrews, it continues to say, I, the Lord, do not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me tell you something. He is never wrong. But for us, we were all wrong without Jesus. We were all wrong. And, and whether you go, oh, well, I'm right. No, no, we were all wrong without Jesus. Romans chapter 3, 3 verse 22, it says, God makes people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. He does this for all who believe in Christ. Everyone is the same. Turn to your name and tell them we're all the same. Just turn. We are all the same. All have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and are not good enough to share in God's divine greatness. 
And when we are all looking to be right in some way, I'm sorry to say, but we're wrong. We were all wrong. And as we read earlier, the prodigal son, we want to look at Resurrection Sunday with a prodigal son's lens. Because here's the thing, whenever Jesus told a story like the prodigal son, he was giving us ideas. He was trying to explain something complicated. Let me tell you something. Someone dying for your sins, rising again three days later, it's complicated. And when you actually capture what the prodigal son does, is that this story actually shows the resurrection for us personally. Because it might be hard to comprehend. It's like, why would someone die for us? Why would someone be nailed to a cross for my sin? And listen, we... I think we all hear, majority of us would believe in this, but it's a hard concept to believe in. It's a hard concept to trust in. So therefore, Jesus told these stories to be able to explain the personal resurrection for you. The personal resurrection for you. It's a picture of God's heart and his graciousness for us. So whether you're here, and listen, there is a lot of people that we don't know in the room today, and we are so glad you're here with us today. So whether you feel all right or all wrong, let me tell you, the Father's heart is welcome home. The Father's heart is, whether you feel distant or close, the Father's heart for you is come on in. Don't hold back. Don't hesitate. You know, it's not that he's asking you to join a religious movement. He's not asking you to join a service or a system, but he invites you to relationship. He invites you to know his heart more. Whether your life is neat and tidy at the moment, or an absolute mess. Don't put your hand up. But let me tell you, God's heart for you is filled, full of compassion. It's full of compassion. Psalm 86 verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. He says to you, come back home. And so as we look at today's story of uh, the prodigal son, we're going to reflect on the two sons, the different lifestyles. And no matter how you see each son, let me tell you, both of them struggled to understand the father's heart. Both of them struggled to understand the acceptance and the forgiveness of the father's heart. And so today as we unwrap this passage, as I said, that the father's heart for you is that he never stops welcoming you home. He never stops waiting for you. He never stops waiting for your return. But something stops us. Something actually stops us from connecting to God. Something in our mind and in our hearts actually stops us from returning home to the Father. So we're going to really quickly look at son number one, the younger son, and um, there might be a few younger sons or younger siblings in the room. But this is what it says in verse 14. It says, and he, he had spent everything. So this is where the reckless living took place. He spent all his money. There was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in great need. He was desperate. But between verse 14 and verse 15, it's not the end of the prodigal story where he goes, he decided, there he came to his senses and he came home. His initial response in this desperate position was, I've got to go somewhere else. His initial response at this point was, 
you know what, I don't think I can go back home yet. I don't think I am acceptable to go back home. And so it says in verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to another citizen from another country, and all of a sudden he found himself working as a pig farmer. Now, my mother-in-law comes from a pig farming background. I have to be, so the commentaries say this about pig farming. I just, just really clear right now. The, com- the commentaries would say that this setting of pig farming would have been revolting. No, again, like as in, it would have been disgusting for him. This would have been such a terrible situation. And, and, and I began to think to myself, why didn't he go home in the first Why didn't he go home early? What stopped him? Do you know what this sounds like in verse 14 or 15? Is that he chose a path that he thought he deserved. Instead of going back immediately, he thought he deserved to be amongst the pigs, to be in loss. He was so wrong, he punished himself. He was so wrong, he punished himself. He thought, I don't deserve anything good here. They're gonna. Re- my dad would reject me. My my brother for sure is gonna reject me. I am a failure. Let me tell you something. When you start saying that I am a failure, the enemy creeps in, and he turns one mistake, and he doesn't just say you made a mistake. He says you're a mistake. He builds a spirit behind it. When all of a sudden you you fail, he doesn't say oh I failed. No no. He begins to add layers to it and say no you are a failure. He builds this spirit into us, and it's filled with guilt and shame. Let me tell you something. The father would have received him back straight away. The father would have accepted him back immediately. He would have forgiven him and and would have accepted him. But let me tell you, the son couldn't forgive himself. The son couldn't accept himself. He was so caught up in this tension and his mistakes that he couldn't find a way home. How do you respond when you make a mistake? Do you retreat? Do you kind of punish yourself? Does your thought life kind of go, oh, I'm not good enough? Do you distance yourself from the people around you because of shame? Do you punish yourself through holding back in certain areas? Let me tell you something. Punishment is majority of our, it's our automatic response. Most of the time, and, and some of you are going, I disagree. Watch. When Harley does something wrong, do you know what I say? I say, if you keep doing that, there is no more bedtime stories at bedtime. Like, we are not doing bedtime. Like, I'm like just, you know, at Easter, if Harley's doing something wrong, say she's whacking her sister or something silly like that. Do you know what I I go, if you keep doing that, Harley, there is no chocolate eggs at Easter time. (laughs) We're getting rid of it. I'll go another step further. Some of you are looking at me like, what do you, you all do this. It's the automatic response, people. I'm just letting you know. If, if someone does this, if, some, if she does something wrong, I'll be like, no TV for the rest of the day. I'm not listening anymore. No TV for the rest of the week. Alyssa starts looking at me a bit funny. You know, she's like, you can't keep that up. She stopped. She still doesn't listen. I just add more time. No TV for the rest of the year. Like, as in. And by that time, we know it is not going to work and no one is listening. But when we think about bad behavior, we think punishment and suffering. 
Majority of us, when you think back, when I've done something wrong, we think punishment and suffering. And don't get me wrong, there are consequences to actions for all the people in the room going, hang on, wait a second. But don't let punishment and shame and doubt stop you from coming back home. This is what it says in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. Why are you putting yourself through so much suffering? He is paid and he has suffered for us so that we could have access and relationship with the Father. So nothing could stop us. Romans 8, it says, now, that there, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Today, we have freedom from suffering and condemnation because of what Jesus did on the cross. If you're struggling to forgive yourself, if you're struggling to accept yourself wherever you are, let me tell you something. In those moments, we are actually undermining the work of the cross and the resurrection. We are undermining the power of Jesus in our life. The younger son chose to punish them himself. But there's a better way. Everyone say there's a better way. There's a grace way. When he came to his senses, it says in verse 17, the youngest son made his way home. He was so wrong, but grace made him right. He was so wrong, but grace made him right. He remembered the father's heart. He remembered the father's nature. He remembered the father's grace. And so he got up and went to his father. And verse 20 says, while he was a far way off, his father saw him and his heart was filled with compassion. And not only was he filled with compassion, but he began to run towards his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father was waiting for him. You know, imagine being able to see your son in the distance, thinking he was dead, but now he's alive. The son ran to him because the father knew Potentially, if the community saw him first, they would cut him off. But in the end, the father wanted to reinstate his son to his rightful place. The father was hopeful. Nothing but compassion filled his heart. There was no condemnation here. It was just love and grace. The father was excited. It was a celebration. Go get the fatted calf. Go, Go get the ring and robe. And let's party. Let's celebrate. And let me tell you, that same grace that was extended to the Son is extended to you today. No matter how unworthy you feel, let me reassure you that the same embracing grace that this Son experienced is here for you today. It's because of the resurrection that we are forgiven. It's because of the resurrection that we can come boldly to God. You know, a lot of us know the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I think a lot of us sometimes glorify our guilt and shame so much, and we sing Amazing Guilt, how terrible the sound that reminds me of my sin. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that it it, it isn't guilt, because the thing is, is that when we choose to stay away from God, guilt gets created. When we choose to avoid that person or avoid that God, shame gets built. But it's amazing grace. It is amazing grace. Don't glorify and worship your mistakes, but embrace the amazing grace of God. No matter how wrong you may feel today, grace makes you right. No matter how wrong 
things have gone in the last few weeks, months, potentially years. Grace makes you right. There's some church people in the room, and you come here very often. I'm not going to point anyone out. And potentially you're thinking right now, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. You know what? It is so good to see little Jimmy here because little Jimmy needs to hear a a message on grace. I hope that little Jimmy responds to this because you know what? He needs to come home. You know what I mean? Like, as in the church person's going, man, I tell you, this whole grace situation, this is the perfect message for Easter. I hope he comes home. I hope he gets his life right back with God. Amazing, wonderful. But if you're a church person this morning and you're feeling really right, can we just, can we, can we talk to each other for a moment? Because when you look at the older son, the older son was, he was so good. He was so right. He's, he wasn't like the younger son. He didn't spend his money. He, he, he stayed in the house. He attended church every week. He, he read his Bible. He served. He gave. He was good people. He kept the rules. He was so right, but yet he was so wrong. He was so right, but yet he was so wrong. The older son thought that keeping rules would make him right. That's what he thought. He thought that I will save myself and I will be close to God because of everything that I do. And watch the older brother's internal and external judgment. He says that the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He couldn't celebrate with with his son. He couldn't celebrate with his father. But he answered his father, sorry, the father pleaded with him and he answered, look at all these years, I have been a good Christian. I have never, dis- I have never disobeyed you. That's not a, surely he's de- definitely disobeyed his, his father at some point. I've never disobeyed your orders, but you've never given me a young goat. You've never celebrated me, but yet you party and you celebrate for this guy. This, this guy squandered everything. He pleads his case and he says, I know the law. I know the rules. But he didn't know grace. I know the rules, but I don't know the Father's heart. You know, you can be in the Father's house, but not know the Father's heart. Someone is, you can be under the Father's house. You can be doing all the right things, saying all the right things, but you cannot know his heart. I believe the older brother represents many of us today where we say we are saved by grace, but we act under the law. We are saved by grace, but we are acting under rules and religiousness. You know, there's this story of a, of a zoo, and this bear is in the zoo. And the, the, the bear lives about 30 to 40 years and for majority of its life, the, the bear was in a cage 12 metres by 12 metres. From my understanding, that is 144 square metres. Is that correct? Thank you, Bill. Yep, awesome, John. Yep, we're good. 144 square metres. Anyway, the last... Cu- is that right? Oh, don't tell me. Anyway, <laughs> mathematics, not strong. Anyway, um, and so what takes place? The last couple of years of his life, they decide to move the bear to a new cage. He, he, in the, and the, the cage that he moves in is 32 metres 
by 32 meters. This is now a big sanctuary. This is like a big space. But what they noted about the bear's behavior is the bear always moved in a 12 by 12 radius, a 12 by 12 square. Because unfortunately, even though he'd been released in freedom, he he was programmed to the law. He was programmed to the old life. And a lot of us do this, right, is that we are saved by grace, not by our own works, but it is a gift from God. But many of us are programmed to the law going, but I'm doing the right things, but we don't know the Father's heart. We think we can serve and give our way to heaven, but God says this is a free gift so that no man can boast. There is a freedom that takes place when we embrace grace. This is the new way that God gives us. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 25, it says that but God has a way to make people right, and that has nothing to do with the law. He has shown us a new way. A new way. Verse 24, it says, they are made right with God, with God by his grace. This is a free gift. Yes. But yet we keep living under the law. Yes. Yet we keep living a life that is under the rules, but yet we are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, it says, for it is by grace that you have saved us. And this is not for yourselves, but it is a gift of God so that no man can boast. So you might be sitting in your seats this Easter going, well, what's wrong with the older brother? He didn't do anything. Like, yeah, okay, he was a bit judgy at times, but, but, but what did he really do wrong? Well, well, firstly, he thought that his works, his rightness would make him right. He couldn't accept that the Father would love him and accept him just as he is. He couldn't accept this idea that God the Father would accept him just as he is. And and in the end, he couldn't earn anything. He couldn't earn the love of God, but it was a free gift. For some reason, we all think that a checklist is easier than a divine relationship. We would prefer checklists. Just please, pastor, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And it's a free gift. And it is out of that love that we draw this connection to God. And that we live a better life. Let me tell you, if it was a checklist, we would never get it right and it would never be finished. The law is perfect, can I say. There is nothing wrong with the law. There is nothing wrong with the, with the rules that God has given us. But we are imperfect. We could never uphold the law. Let me tell you something. The law is like an x-ray. And what happens is it begins to see and it reveals what is wrong with us. What happens in an x-ray? An x-ray shows broken bones. It shows when things are out of order. Hey, you know, that kidney should, no, maybe not, that bone should be over here. I don't know much about x-rays. An x-ray can show you when things are out of order. An x-ray can show you when something is there that should not be there. Like a nail is in your foot. It's like, that that should not be there. Let me tell you something. An x-ray can reveal what's wrong, but it can't fix your problem. A doctor and surgery can fix your problem, but an x-ray is a revealer. In the same way, the law is a revealer. The law will tell you if your life is aligned with God. But let me tell you something. The law reveals what only Christ can fix. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Only Jesus can fix our sin. There is a sin problem. But only Jesus could restore us. Only his grace 
could capture us. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we're going to close real soon. You see, what made the older brother wrong is that he thought his rightness, all the attendance, all the serving, all that good stuff, not bad stuff, good stuff, would make him right with God. This, the other thing that happened was that the older brother, I believe, although he lived under the father's heart, house, he didn't love what the father loved. His heart was far, think about it, a returning son that was lost but now found. A returning son that was dead but now alive. But he couldn't actually bring himself to love what the father loved. This older brother was more harsher and severe with this younger brother than God himself. And that's kind of a scary thought that when you and I desire to be really, 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 really right, we can sometimes neglect the idea that we were so wrong ourselves and we needed saving. And as the passage of Scripture said, we, we were all, we are all the same. We are all sinners that needed saving. You know, no matter if you're keeping the rules and the law, or maybe the punishment of the younger brother is what you relate to the most. If you look at the father, he knew his older son was so wrong, but yet he pleaded with him. He pleaded. So the father went out and pleaded. He ran to the younger brother, but he comes to you and he says, do you not see the same grace that I would give your younger brother, I give to you over and over and over again. Son, the same grace I show you today is the same grace that I showed your younger brother. It is all for you. This is the love, the grace, and the acceptance of God. And you might be standing on a pedestal of of rules and law, but you might not know the Father's heart. We're all the same. We are all sinners. And we all needed saving. As, As you do when you write a message, you ask yourself and you say to God, oh boy, Holy Spirit, how do you want to speak to me? And I remember a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly about, and this, this whole day, I thought, is this the right message for an Easter resurrection service? And the Holy Spirit, through a few different conversations, through a few moments in worship, he's like, this is the message that people need to hear. But he rem- a few weeks ago, I, I was having this moment, and um, I had this encounter with God. And um, I reflected on my own life, and my wife is a very good helper of reflection. And um, I can be very law and rules based. I can be like, 
get me that checklist out. How do we get this right? How do I get myself right? How does that person get right? You know what I mean? Like, as in, there's just a bunch of rules that automatically and a bunch of law and a bunch of ideas. In other words, I was always or at times looking to be right and proving someone wrong and just, it's quite exhausting, to be honest. In other words, I was quite judgmental, if you're missing the point here. I was judgmental with myself and I was judgmental with others. And I'll never forget it. The Holy Spirit showed me this picture. And it was of many people around and a line in the middle. And I was far away from this line. But what I was searching for was the right side or the wrong side. I was looking for what is best. Are you in? Are you out? Are you right? Are you wrong? I was just looking for rightness. And I remember being asked this question, well, what's the line? And I walked closer to this line. And it wasn't a line at all. And again, this is my personal revelation of grace. I don't force this on anyone. But as I drew closer to this line, it was not a line, but it was God's grace. And the closer I got, the more emotional I got. The closer I got to this line, the more I realized it wasn't a line at all. The closer I got to this moment, my tears were streaming down my face. I'm not a big crier, trust me. And the, and the work of the Holy Spirit was showing this picture, and it was as large as the universe. It was as large as the universe. So many guys, and, and I just couldn't comprehend it. I'll never forget breaking down in this moment for two reasons. One, I recognized the grace that God extended to me personally. All of a sudden, I was having this encounter saying, God, I can't believe the grace that you extend to me. But to be honest, it was also a moment where I had to say sorry because it was the grace I hadn't shown others. And I thought to myself, I wonder how many of us don't actually know that we get so caught up in the right and in the wrong. But God's going, you're all the same. You were all sinners. I am the biggest one of a lot of you, Paul writes. But I needed saving. We all needed saving. We all needed God's grace. This is what he says to you. God the Father, his heart, through this story on Resurrection Sunday, he says to you, come home. Welcome home. Embrace my grace. It is big enough. And whether you feel like the younger brother or the older brother, whether you feel like you're so wrong you could never be right, let me tell you, His grace is more than enough. Or maybe you've been under the the roof of the Father, but not knowing His love, not knowing who He is, getting caught up in the checklist. Maybe today. He will show you his grace and you'll experience it. Would you close your eyes and would you bow your heads across this room? What an incredible Sunday to be in church. 
And I pray that this won't be your last time if you're visiting. But I pray this will be one of many. But today is a beautiful opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And not just a a decision of acceptance, but a decision of fellowship. To say, I am going to follow him. I've been doing things my way. I've been like the younger son. I've been doing things my way. It's been destructful. I don't know where to go, but I don't think this place, I don't think this God would accept me. But he says, I accept you just as you are. My grace is more than enough. So today, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, I can reassure you, he welcomes you with open arms. His heart is for you. He runs towards you and he's ready when you are. And all you have to do is say, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on a cross for my sin and rose again three days later so that I could have eternal life. So right now I'm going to count to three this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed. And today, if you want to make a decision, Jesus. This is your time. One, Jesus loves you and he died for your sins. He rose again so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be saved too. Today, there is no better day to make a decision to follow Jesus. There is no better day to return home to the loving arms of the Father. And three, with all the privacy that you If you want to become a follower of Jesus, would you just lift your hand right now across this room? Awesome, awesome. Anyone else in this room? Awesome. I see those hands. It is time to come home. It is time to receive His power that conquered the death, that conquered the grave. Anyone else in this room? I'm just going to wait one more moment. Anyone else in this room that says, I'm coming home? Come home to the loving arms of Jesus. Come on, as one family, as one community, could we just pray together this morning and repeat this prayer after me? Lord, this day, I invite you into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross, for paying for my sin, rising again so I could have eternal life. Take your rightful place in my life from this day forth. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for the many people that decided to follow Jesus this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.